What's up, everybody? You're listening to The Raven's Group. I'm your host, Dahi, and this is episode 11 of our segment, Tales of the Unexplained, where I'll be talking about some of the various aliens, spirits, semi-mythical creatures, and various other entities that go bump in the night. Today, we're going to be traveling to China and taking a look at some of the most famous Chinese cryptids, the Lake Tianqi creatures, the Chinese, aka the Chinese versions of Lockdown's Monster, the Living Tree known as Jin Menju, the Qingxian Flying Jellyfish Incident, the gigantic albino Wunan toads of Hubei Province's Baofeng Lake, and the infamous Mongolian Deathworm. Now, a few quick disclaimers before I begin. First off, this series is comprised of folklore and urban legends. The existence of the cryptids or other entities featured in these episodes are, as of this recording, currently unconfirmed by the scientific community at large. As such, any and all opinions I may reach in this segment are mine and my alone unless explicitly stated otherwise. It's quite possible you may have heard different versions of the legends and stories I may retell in this series, so if you feel that the version you heard or even may have experienced is different from the one I tell, please bear in mind I'm just a storyteller. I will try and cross-reference the different versions of the legends and stories, so if I miss something, that is on me. Also, I want to make something very clear from the outset of this episode. I cannot speak a word of Chinese, so any and all pronunciation mistakes made in this episode are not deliberate and are entirely my fault. Finally, this episode of the Ravens Grove features the following trigger warnings. Bodily harm mentions, animal predatory behavior mentions, being hunted mentions, UFO mentions, political, I guess you could call it political control mentions, tabloid mentions, uh, supernatural themes, urban legends, folklore, and potentially frightening stories. So if any of those are in any way an issue for you, please give this episode a miss. Okay, now that those are out of the way, let's get this thing started. So, first off, we have China's answer to the Loch Ness Monster, the Lake Qianqi creature, or creatures, as the case may be, you'll find out more in a minute. The creature or creatures are said to be located in the waters of Lake Tianqi, which means heavenly lake in English, or Qianqi in Korean, which the lake itself is found at the peak of Baikdu Mountain, within the Baikdu Dagan, uh, sorry if I butchered that, and Changbai Mountain Ranges, encompassing Jilin Province of China and Riangang Province of North Korea. Now, obviously this is a very hotly contested area geopolitically, I'm not here to talk about that, but point is, it's a very mountainous terrain. Now, what do these creatures look like? Well, according to the reports, which date back to 1903, the common consensus is that the creature or creatures look very similar to plesiosaurs or the Loch Ness Monster, with a long neck, a human-like head, flippers or fins, a seal-like body, and grey skin with a white band at the base of the neck. As I just said, the earliest documented account of the Lake Chianchi creature dates back to 1903. The report claimed that a large buffalo-like creature attacked three people but was shot at six times. The report unfortunately does not say what caliber or type of firearm was used. I'm assuming that if it's by a lake, it's someone's just pistol that they had on them at the time. Upon being shot, the monster retreated back into the water. Uh, next sighting that is recorded on the websites that I looked up for were happened across a three-day period between the 21st and the 23rd of August in 1962. During this time period, more than a hundred people recorded sightings of two of these creatures chasing each other around the lake in the water. Now, considering that this is in the 1960s and Chinese uh, under communist control, I mean, I'm not going to bag out 
China for fear of getting cancelled here, but the fact of the matter is that they have a very totalitarian control over the media, so if this is all these people saying the same thing, that is pretty definite. The final, well not final, but most recent majorly documented sighting was in 2007. Zhuo Yongsheng, who is a Chinese TV reporter, said he had shot a 20 minute video of six unidentified creatures in the volcanic lake on the 6th of September of that year. He later sent still photos to Xinhua's Jilin uh, Provincial Bureau. Uh, according to the new, a news report, one of them showed the six Nessie-type creatures uh, swimming in parallel in three pairs. One of them featured uh, the animals closer together, leaving circular ripples on the lake surface. Zhuo said he had seen the six seal-like finned creatures swimming and frolicking in the lake for an hour and a half before they disappeared at about 7 a.m. He's quoted as saying they could swim as fast as yachts and at times they would disappear in the water. It was impressive to see them all acting at exactly the same pace as if someone was giving orders. Their fins, or maybe wings, were longer than their bodies. End quote. Now, considering that this is three different accounts, one of which had multiple reportings from the same time period in the same day, is I'm fairly certain that there is something in that lake. Now, as to what it is, I don't know. I mean, this guy's a TV reporter. He's not exactly known for making stuff up. And for having that many confirmed reports from a three-day period, all from individual witnesses, that's pretty impressive. Like I said, I don't know what is in that lake, but I reckon it deserves some further study. Our second Chinese cryptid is Jin Menju, the human-headed tree. It was first reported in the, finally enough, Japanese Edo period Hiyaka Jiten Encyclopedia Wakan Zansei Sue, which in, I honestly don't know how to pronounce the Japanese character, so I'm going to leave that off, but the English translation of the encyclopedia is a collection of pictures of heaven, earth, and man from China and Japan. Now, like I said, this is a Japanese account from the Edo period, but it takes place in China, that's why I include it on this list. Legend has it that this Jin Menju is a sentient human-headed tree that grows in remote mountain valleys in China. The Jin Menju's fruit appears to be human heads. They are always laughing or smiling even as they fall from the branch. It's said that the Jin Menju seed also has a human face, eyes, ears, nose, and mouth. Now, according to the entry in the encyclopedia, the Jin Menju trees are found in the south of China, and the fruit of the tree is called the Jin Menchi in Japanese, or human-faced child. They ripen in the fall, and if eaten, the fruit will have a kind of sweet or sour taste. In the past, it was said that people planted huge orchards of these trees. Now, the legend actually comes from China and was passed on to Japan where it was considered to be a kami in its particular nature. However, there are other stories in Indian and Persian folklore of trees bearing human face fruit, usually with the faces of beautiful girls. And interestingly enough, this legend is a direct inspiration for the Pokemon Executor in the original 150. Hmm, pretty interesting. Okay, so now time for cryptid number three, the Xinjiang flying jellyfish incident. Now, I'm actually going to own up here. This isn't technically a cryptid, it's more of a UFO sighting and... Uh, the reason I've been going on cryptids in these tales is because I want to get to UFOs, but quite frankly, this was just too good to leave out, so I hope you enjoy it. So, according to the research I did, on Monday, October 19th, 1998, four military radar stations in Hebei province, China, 
It reported the presence of an unidentified blip hovering above a military flight training school in Changzhou. Once authorities determined that the intruder was not a military or civilian flight, Colonel Li, the base commander, offered uh, ordered a Zhenzhou 6 jet fighter to take off and intercept the UFO. At least 140 people on the ground saw this object. To observers at the base, the UFO appeared first to be a small star and then grew larger and larger, perhaps as it descended to a lower altitude, so said the report. It, they dis- the witnesses described an object with a mushroom or jellyfish-shaped uh, design with the bottom covered in bright dangling lights. The crew of the interceptor plane consisted of a pilot and a radar officer. The two officers said, and I'm quoting the report directly here, the object greatly depicted and greatly resembled depictions they'd seen in foreign science fiction films. When they got, and quote, when they got to within 4,000 meters, which is roughly 13,200 feet, of the UFO in Ching County, it abruptly shot upward, easily avail- evading subsequent attempts to get closer. It appeared to be toying with the fighter plane by repeatedly outdistancing it and then reappearing right above it, according to the Park Runner's report. The pilot requested permission to fire on the UFO with the plane's automatic 20mm cannon. Now, bear in mind, that's actually the size of the shells. I'm not saying the cannon itself was 20mm, I'm talking the actual ammunition is a 20mm cannon shell. That's a very big caliber. He was denied permission to shoot by ground control and was told to continue to pursue and observe the object. The pilot broke off pursuit at an altitude of 12,000 meters, 39,600 feet, as the jet began running low on fuel. The UFO then disappeared before two more modern Chinese fighter planes could arrive to in the area. <clears throat> now, Changzhou is about 150 kilometers, roughly 90 miles, northwest of Shanghai. The story first ran, apparently, on the Hebei Daily in around October 22nd, and was picked up by a Chinese weekly news magazine, Baohan Wenzhai. Now, here's the article actually printed in Agence France Presse. Now, this is dated from November 5th, 1998, and this is the direct I'm going to read out the actual article to you here. This is not me telling the story. This is the actual words that were printed in an official news report. Shanghai, Agence France Presse. The Air Force had a prolonged up-close encounter with a UFO last month that one fighter pilot described as just like the ones in foreign movies, a government-controlled newspaper reported Thursday. A Hebei Daily report, carried in the News Digest Balkan Wenzhai, gave a detailed pilot's account of an aerial cat-and-mouse game played between the object and a jet fighter ordered to intercept it. At least 140 people on the ground also saw the object, it said. An editor of the Hebei Daily also said that the events took place on October 19th and were still being investigated by local government departments. The newspaper's report and military sources quoted show an openness that contrasts sharply with Washington's notorious secrecy on the topic of unidentified flying objects, or UFOs. It said that the encounter began when four different radar stations in northern Hebei province picked up an unknown moving target in airspace directly above a military flight training base near Shangzhou City. And to observers at the base, the UFO first appeared like a small star, 
and then grew larger and larger, perhaps it descended to a lower altitude, the report said. It described an object with a mushroom or jelly-like do- jellyfish-like dome at- with a bottom covered in bright dangling lights. A base commander, surname Lee, reported to his superiors who ordered a Jianzhou 6 armed interceptor airborne to uh, pursue the object once checks showed no other civilian or military aircraft in the area. The two pilots aboard said the object closely resembled depictions they'd seen in foreign sci-fi films. When they got within 4,000 meters, 13,200 feet, the UFO over Ching County abruptly shot upward, easily evading it in subsequent attempts to get closer. It appeared to be toying with the fighters by repeatedly outdistancing it and then reappearing just above it, the pilot said. The report said a request for permission to fire on the UFO with an onboard cannon was denied by ground, denied by ground command at one point. The interceptor was eventually forced to return to base after it ran out of fuel at an altitude of 12,000 meters, 39,600 feet. The UFO then disappeared before two newer model planes could get airborne, the article said. Now, bear in mind, while Chinese uh, China's racy tabloids often depict stories of strange phenomena alongside celebrity gossip and ground stories, UFO reports are seldom carried by more official papers like the Hebei Daily, end quote. Now, like they said in the article I just read out, like tabloids will run all kinds of trashy stories. That's the whole uh, story behind uh, what they call yellow rag journalism, where they will literally run anything regardless of the sources or actual factual content in the stories. But the thing is, this is a major newspaper that's reporting this. They, with China's tight control over the media, that is a serious thing. And like they said in that article, the U.S. government is notoriously tight-lipped regarding anything to do with military planes encountering UFOs. I mean, it's only in the last five years or so that the Pentagon has actually come forward and said, yeah, there are UFOs that our pilots have described. Or at least there has been occurrences that military pilots for the U.S. Air Force and other flying departments of their military have encountered that we can't explain. Now, compared to this... This is a major, major difference. And compared to the fact that there are over 150 witnesses, including military personnel, I'm inclined to believe that this actually did happen. I mean, this thing, I've read about, put it this way, the whole thing about the UFO trailing it and playing with it, just outdistancing it and then peering right above it, I've read reports of UFOs from other pilots doing very similar things. And so this, to me seems to be a pretty watertight case like even if it's something completely innocuous like a meteor meteors don't behave like that okay if it's a cloud formation they don't move that fast and they it wouldn't do like and i've seen photos that came with the cycle that obviously i can't show because this is a verbal thing but they really do look like jellyfish that are just hanging in the sky i'm inclined to believe this one i really am i mean Granted, I'm the agent Mulder in the family. Like, I believe in all kinds of crazy stuff. But this this seems to be factually uh, fairly accurate. So I'm inclined to believe it. All right. Our fourth cryptid is the monstrous Wunan toads. The Wunan toads are said to be gigantic albino amphibians that live in the remote Hubei province of China in Baofeng Lake. They are known for their atrocious appetite and their gigantic size. Now, Local fishermen believe that these toads lived in Baofeng, along with several other major lakes. Other than what they believe and may have seen, there are two confirmed major sightings. 
Sighting number one. In 1962, mortified fishermen were concerned about the safety of their families with these white-skinned creatures lurking in the deep. They tried to rid the land of these towering pests by throwing sticks of dynamite into the heart of the lake. Now, this action only angered a more terrifying and evil toad known to the local people as Chan. It proceeded to pursue the fishermen more than 90 feet beyond the shoreline. That's all I have on that report. But the second report, well, there's a lot more detail and it's a lot more recent. In 19, number two happened in 1987. Nine scientists from Beijing University ventured into an interior of central China's Hubei province to catalog and film the native wildlife of the area. The group's leader, 50-year-old, uh, 58-year-old, sorry, Chen Mengchun, uh, led the group of scientists towards large bodies of water near Baofeng Lake, deep in the mountains. While preparing to film the animals all around them, the group witnessed something incredible. From within the mountain pools, three extremely large and unsightly creatures that resembled giant toads rose up from beneath the water and started swimming toward the water's edge, the same edge where the scientists were currently setting up their recording equipment. The nine men described the giant toads as having almost completely grayish-white skin, eyes bigger than rice bowls, mouths that were almost six feet across, and that they showed no fear of humans. When the three toads reached the water's edge and were within mere feet of the men, they stopped and just watched. Suddenly, and without warning, one of the toads opened its mouth and immediately shot out its immensely large tongue, which it managed to wrap around some of the equipment and pull it towards the water's edge. At one, at this point, one of the other toads opened its equally large mouth and let out a powerfully large croak or shriek. This, in turn, caused the third toad, caused the third toad to do the same. As quickly as they started, the large amphibians stopped, then stopped their vocal assault uh, and submerged back into the water below. The sight of the gigantic monster toads was so intense that one scientist dropped to his knees and began to shake and vomit onto the earth beneath him. The other man quickly made work of packing up the gear and leaving the area immediately. Now, if it was anyone else other than scientists, I'd be inclined to say it's just superstition. I mean, put it this way, people dynamiting fish and seeing things, not to put too far a point on it, but... The mind can play tricks on you when you know you're doing something you shouldn't meant you're not meant to be doing. I'm not saying that they didn't see something, those fishermen in 1962. What I'm saying is they could have been seeing things that the brain is playing tricks on them. However, this is a much more recent report. There were nine individual people, and they were all trained scientists. As a general rule, in my experience, scientists do not usually believe in the paranormal. Like, they are, it's drilled out of them in training. They have a very black and white, if something isn't scientific, it can be explained through science type approach. There are very, very few people that I know who are trained scientists who believe in the stuff that, well, like cryptozoology. I mean, most of them will try and be the skeptic in this situation until they're actually proven otherwise. Therefore, I'm inclined to believe this one. I mean, whether they're actually monster toads or not, that's beside the point. But I believe there could be something in that lake. Now, our fifth and final cryptid is one of the most famous cryptids in the world. We're talking about the infamous Mongolian deathworm. Mongolian deathworm's native lang- name in a Mongolian, which is, I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher this, Olgoi Horkhoi, which literally means intestine worm, it is due to its red blood-like color and size, which is a roughly the length of an intestine. It has been described to, by many reports to be between two to seven foot long, 
uh, have the ability to spit out a corrosive yellow saliva and to generate blasts of electricity. However, this latter power is thought of as being folkloric by the nomads of the Gobi Desert. Western culture has come to call this creature the Mongolian death worm. Now, the Mongolian nomads believe that the giant worm covers its prey in an acidic substance that turns everything a corroded yellow color. Legend says that as a creature begins to attack, it raises half its body out of the sand and starts to inflate until it explodes, releasing the lethal poison all over the unfortunate victim. The poison is so dangerous that the prey dies instantly. Livestock and humans are supposed to be its main prey, but because Mongolia had been under Soviet control until 1990, very little was actually known about the death worm in the West up until that point. In recent years, investigators have been able to look for evidence of the creature's existence. Ivan McCurley, who was the who is one of the leading experts on the Loch Ness monster, uh, studied the region and interviewed many Mongolian people about this creature. Uh, due to the sheer volume of sightings and strange deaths, he came to the conclusion that the death worm was more than just legend. However, no one actually knows or is entirely sure about what this creature, the Mongolian death worm, actually is. Uh, Experts are certain it's not a real worm because the Gobi does is just too hot an area for anilids to survive. Some have suggested it might be a type of skink, but they have little legs and scaly skin, whereas witness accounts specifically specify that the worm is limbless and smooth-bodied. The most probable explanation is that the death worm is a new species of Amphisbenea, or a worm lizard, which are a group of burrowing reptiles. Although the native Mongolian people are convinced that the death worm exists, it will take more, many more years of research to satisfy the world's scientific community. However, in 2005, an expedition from the Center of Fortean Zoology crossed a thousand miles of the Gobi Desert in search of the death worm. They concluded it was a probably large, unknown type of worm lizard, and the powers attributed to it were apocryphal. Now, as for me, I honestly don't know what to believe. Like, there are tons and tons of accounts of this creature, far more than can, can just be explained by just a one-off thing, but being able to generate bioelectricity, exploding and covering everything in a corrosive, acidic venom, I mean, I can buy a type of worm lizard maybe having some kind of secretion that's toxic to touch, or that it can you know, maybe spit venom. As prey, like there are certain species of snakes that can actually do that. For instance, a spitting cobra is well known to be our spittest venom with lethal accuracy for up to six feet. So I'm not saying the venom part isn't accurate. What I'm, what I'm expressing doubt is about is the bioelectricity part. This, the reports I read on this creature said that the bioelectricity generated by the Mongolian death worm could be enough to basically electrocute a large animal like a horse. Now, it takes a lot of electricity to do that, okay? Like, a lot to completely fry someone's neural circuits. And so, because of that, I honestly don't think that the Mongolian death worm can do that, if it exists. Now, as to whether or not this thing actually does exist, I honestly don't know. I mean, there are far too many reports for it just to be a piece of folklore. This is reports that are coming to us in droves after the fall of the Soviet Union. And the reports of this creature go back for centuries. So I really, I personally think that this is a creature that could potentially exist. However, I also think that if it does exist, 
a lot of the powers attributed to it, like the exploding with the acid venom or the bioelectricity, I think that they are very much overrated or at the or are just apocryphal. Like they are folklore that has become embellished over time as the story progresses. Now, that being said, I will be happy to be proven wrong. If they actually find evidence of this creature and say, you know what, it's got a venom that it can spit at people, that for me is scientifically plausible. But the bioelectricity generated enough to kill a horse or a cow, as well as the a corrosive venom that can eat through nearly anything and kills its prey instantly just by touching the skin, I'm skeptical about that, to be honest. Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to The Ravens Grove. I've been Dahi. You've been awesome. I'll talk to you in the next episode. See ya.